I entered this world not wanting to come. I'll leave it not wanting to go. All this while, when it seemed there were two doors, there was only one. This passing through. Tess Gallagher. Bending, Not Breaking. Season 7, Episode 10. Operation Bayfong. Welcome back to Bending Not Breaking. I am Sunshine. And I'm Ben. <laughs> Getting that mute button ready. Yep, we, gotta, we love that. Mute. All right. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. We are here to talk about more Legend of Korra, but we are getting to the end. We only have four episodes left. Well, including this one. This There's one, like this one, and then yeah. three more. And we 11, are, 12, 13. We are getting there. And what an episode to be talking about today, Operation Beifong. Yeehaw. Yeah. Beifong. Lots lots of lots of the fighty fights in this Love one. the fights. Love fight. But actually, there's oh, more that happens. I can't just I can't do a recap today that's just like and fight. Yeah. And I get to do that at the end. So I, yeah. I, if I really use my 15 seconds up front well, I can just end at the end be like and fight. Yep. So we'll see how much it saves me. Yeah. We'll so, see. Yeah. We'll but awesome. Oh. What a, what an episode. Yeah, I, this is, you know, I, I think there are, um, in the episodes arc of the whole series, there are really uh, intense episodes full of like, this is what we were driving towards, or this is what we're setting up and driving. Like it's, and and then there are, the episodes to get there and this definitely feels like an episode that's getting there Mm -hmm. in terms of the the arc the build up yeah but that doesn't mean there aren't really cool things happening but it definitely feels like one of those episodes yeah uh before we even jump into that uh at the time of this recording cinemacon just took place and they showed the first uh image or at least a rendering of one of the new movies that they're trying to produce for Avatar Studios. We see the gang kind of as uh, early 30-year-olds or late 20s kind of, and um, it's a cool image. Again, uh, so much news over the last two years from Avatar Studios, and I've seen nothing. So my excitement level is tempered. Um, (laughs) We will see. I believe nothing until at least a trailer (laughs) comes out. Yeah, um, it's been interesting. Airspeed Prime, who we had as a guest uh, last season, um, Morgan Bannon is his name, has been uh, like just constantly, you know, subtweeting <laughs> Avatar Studios, being like, where are the announcements? <laughs> like just waiting for more, um, just anything really, because they're they're keeping a tight lock on things. And I, I'm just, I'm part of me is curious why. And the other part of me is like, It'll come when it's ready. Yeah, and so as you, if you think about most animation happening, they're working on like Pixar's working on movies for eight years before yeah. you even catch wind that this is it's the next being released. Right, the all the animation aspects of it are happening years ahead of time, yeah. um, and that process is getting faster as technology is catching up. Um, 
But yeah, until I see a trailer, and it's it's kind of the same with like live action Avatar for Netflix, and like, which we are surprised that again is we're talking about something that was announced maybe four years ago. Um, yeah. It is still taking a very long time to to get ready, and so again, these are projects that when they come, and I see a trailer, yeah, I'll probably watch. But you know, I'm not convinced that it is all going to come to fruition. Um, and that is just out of sheer the amount of things that get announced that are planned oh, in five years. We're doing this. It's even happening to Marvel projects already. Right. Like this is coming. This is coming. This is coming. Eh, <laughs> maybe or yeah. we're going to slow it down. And but now we even have a writer strike that's taking place. And so that's going to have an effect on the output of things as well. So, yeah, um, that makes sense. Get your pay. Strike, strike, strike. So, yeah, there's so many things that it, a lot of the, the I feel like the last one um, back in 2008 ish, 2007 was almost about like streaming residuals. Right. So like now it's like how a writer's getting paid for stuff that's constantly available. Yeah. As opposed to like the one time. And so. Um, but I need more research into all of that. But yeah. Things here, to for, know. here for the here for people getting paid uh, appropriately for their labor. Yeah, I mean, it just it makes sense that people are reluctant to work for low pay. It makes sense that studios are reluctant to release more information when they're not confident that it's going to be released. It makes sense to be reluctant. And yet. <laughs> we want the information. Yeah. So we'll do what we can. All right. Uh before we get into the recap, yeah, what's the yeah. lens we're looking at today? Reluctance. Oh, you did yeah, a there. thing. <laughs> you did a thing. I did do a thing, and you didn't catch it until right now. That was or a... was I just acting? No, that that was definitely. I did musical theater in high school, so I could have been acting. You sound reluctant to tell the truth maybe i'm still acting <laughs> to be able to drive home the point of our lens a little bit more it's called improv ben yeah totally I, maybe i'm just reluctant to relinquish the so why don't you yes and your way yeah, into a I definition just... can you do that for us yeah i mean reluctance is pretty simple if you look at a definition it's basically just unwillingness or disinclination to do something right yes and and so much deeper than that say more it's your time to build off of what i've said ben that's the improv <laughs> aspect of it but I, that's why i said say more <laughs> we have to do a whole hour-long episode on it so it better be deeper than that definition i mean it's interesting it's it's it, it is that, right? It's just the, but the reason behind the reluctance and what feeds it is also what's interesting, right? It's not- The shame, a, the guilt, the grief, the yeah, anger, all the things all that make us reluctant to do stuff adds a lot of nuance to it. Correct. And so we might, you know, be like, oh, this person's reluctant, but we might not know why they're reluctant. Um, and so it really kind of wondering- what are the root causes of reluctance and also what are the consequences of reluctance? 
Um, and so thinking about that is going to be interesting as we kind of dive into everything too. One of the things that I also think that, that's going to be uh, possibly an interesting kind of uh, subtext to all this is uh, the physics definition of reluctance is the property of a magnetic circuit of opposing the passage of a ma magnetic flux line equaling the ratio of uh, the magnetic force to the magnetic flux. So uh, the idea that when someone is wanting something to happen, to you have to be reluctant with an equal opposing force is going to be a somewhat of a, an interesting concept. I think the idea of no, like you have to, the love that maybe someone wants or the, the, the boundary that someone's trying to cross, you have to oppose that, that pressure with equal force uh, is I think an interesting to talk, interesting thing to talk about when you're talking about humans, right? <laughs> You know what you just reminded me of? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a... Uh... A kid doing a book report on a book he hasn't read? <laughs> no. <laughs> you reminded me of a scene from the Twilight Saga. Oh, my God. In which Bella Swan is uh, looking at two magnets on her fridge that won't go together because their magnetic forces are opposites and so they're pushing each other away and you know stephanie meyer like writes this terrible metaphor <laughs> and says that one of the, like essentially equating edward and jacob um to these magnets and bella's like we're gonna put them together and i just wish they would be friends <laughs> and it, and she has to apply the force to do it and it's just <laughs> You, you reminded me of that. It's a a, a pretty uh, heavy weighted metaphor in that it was not done well, but it just made you're it telling me that the writer of Twilight did a poor job creating <laughs> a metaphor. You know, you know your your reluctance to watch like uh, memory scenes or like. In scenes from the beginning, like oh, see this thing that we did at the beginning of the yeah. movie. You missed it, you dumb dumb. I feel that way about heavy-handed metaphors, where they're like, you can yeah. just put the metaphor in without explaining it. Yes, and that's I think the same deal with like the memory flashbacks. Is like you don't have to explain it. You can let people like connect those dots. You don't yeah. always have to hold their hand through the metaphor. Yeah, and then I remember this the books were actually written for like middle schoolers and yeah. I'm just like, mm, yeah, middle schoolers are smarter than you think. And yeah. some middle schoolers have different abilities that really, uh, really appreciate things being lifted out for them. And yeah. get it. that's what discussions about media are, are for. And <laughs> why we do this when someone connects the dots for us, we don't get a podcast. Well, we also don't get like the, I figured it out synapses, you know, the, right. fight, the, yeah. the, the dopamine hit of like, I figured it out. I'm a winner. Uh, I got it. Um, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Let's talk about the episode. What happens in it, Sunshine? You got 30 seconds on the clocks? I can I talk do. about it. I do. On your mark, 
Get set, go. A crew of heroes works to save the Beifong family, and Toph shows up to help. Korra refuses to harvest spirit vines, and Prince Wu starts to show positive attributes. Uh, Kuvira's ray gun overloads and almost explodes, and Lin is still clearly upset with Toph. Kuvira shows up to inspect the new ray gun, and Julie lies about trying to fix everything. Korra goes into the spirit world. Lin opens up about her pain with Toph. Toph uh, Lopal uh, work to rescue the family. While they start to Five test seconds. the ray gun, you're a monster. I regret nothing. Everyone gets out safely, uh, but then they decide they need to save Thank Julie. You. And how have you been, mother? I told you never to call me that. Fight! So and then they hug and mess up. Yeah, that was a whole like extra 10 seconds. Was... Oh, I didn't hear that you stopped the timer. Oh, I told I said ding, stop. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta talk louder than that. I, I was in the zone. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. That was a, a, a convenient way to get the extra 10 seconds you needed. Yeah, I get it. I need you to stop being reluctant to speak your voice and be a little more assertive. Yeah, that's let's talk about the reasoning behind that reluctance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Why are you not more assertive in our conversations? It's not like I'm dominating them. Maybe. Reluctance reluctance yeah so like let's let's i'm gonna i'm gonna toss it to you you got to do the recap you got to you know think about all the things that are going on in this episode what's a moment of reluctance you want to take us to first the first one that is super little but it was one of the ones that when i watched it i was like this is a moment uh uh, batar senior how have you been mother I told you never to right call at the that. very end. Yeah. Um, Toss reluctance to like accept additional familial connections or to accept um, familial relationships with people that maybe she doesn't love. We see her also like push off Bolin later. And she's always had a little bit of that. We've like, it's tough. We know tough and we're familiar. Um, but Lynn is also like, very upset about this reluctance to kind of heal and create familial bonds and yeah. um and and feels pain because maybe she sees that Toph was willing to create connections and reconnect with Su Yin but has been reluctant to do that with Lin. Toph may be looking at it as like yeah, you didn't need it. Like maybe like Su Yin maybe needed that connection. I don't there's and there's things that I think that parents yeah. do a lot. Um, it just feels like this this type of relationship is very real, very grounded in what is else a very hyperbolic situation. Um, and so that's one of the first ones that, that stuck out to me. You know, I am reluctant to admit this, but I, you know, I, I think I'm most judgmental of Toph because I think that there's a lot of me in Toph, which is... Not something that I like think um uh it's it's awkward. So here here's why the, the train of thought is Toph is so unapologetic for being Toph and in a way is uh just unwilling to bend, right? there is no bending to other people's needs or other people's wants. Instead, it's I'm going to be me no matter what in every situation. And I'm going to say what I'm thinking without considering how others will respond. And if she is considering it, it's willing to make that willing for the discomfort that happens 
right? So in a way, what I, the way I read this is there is a lack of reluctance to say the things that are on her mind. Instead, there is just like, I'm going to say it and whatever it is, is whatever it is. And I am so envious of that because I live with like a constant filter where I'm constantly like doing like, nope, I, I got to say this differently. I got to be mindful of who I'm, who's in the room. I got to be like, so I'm constantly catering to other people's uh, feelings and situations, except when I'm going into an interview or when I'm going into spaces that are where I have this like righteous belief that I'm going to show up and without consequence. And like in interviews, I show up and I am a lot like Toph. I'm like, nope, I have zero willingness to do that, but I'm willing to do these things and I'd be really good at it. And it's this one of those things where like, it really throws people off. <laughs> and so it's like, I, I get why Toph throws me off. I get why Toph throws other people off. And part of me is like really jealous that she can just go in and live her life and be that way. And then the other part of me is like really sad because it's like, she's been living in a swamp and she doesn't have community. And I think that's, you know, her choice and she's okay with it. But I also wonder if she like wants like the community that comes with bending, so to speak, even though she's unwilling to bend. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. I, we've one of the themes of the last few episodes, I think, has been this overarching thing of like, what is your authentic self and what does that look like? And it, does that really exist? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so we've had the discussion already about like, my impulse response to me is not necessarily the one that I think is the way that I want to show up in the world authentically. That's like, and so there's a difference or there can be a difference between my immediate unfiltered response and what I do find to be true to my values in the way that I, that I want to be. Um, and so I think it's a balance, right? There are times where the benefit of, showing up without a filter in certain spaces is a strength uh the 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 fact that there's no inhibition to if i do this then they'll respond this way like there's a strength saying no i don't care that i'm going to make some people mad in this situation because it needs to be heard um there's also a strength in if i come in and bulldoze the room then i then whatever we're trying to get done won't get done either. And so I got to dial it back. And so we are seeing moments of, there are times where Toph saying it like it is, is very much needs to be heard. And is it like, I would think of if yeah. Toph was in front of president Rico, I'm here for it. <laughs> like, and was like, no, this is a dumb move and you don't need to do it. Yeah. Like benefit telling your child, I don't think you need love. <laughs> Or like, yeah, my my, you know, me being away from you is more important than us healing your your relationship, though that may be true and may be valid. You got to accept the consequence of that. And that's something that like Toph yeah. has no problem accepting the top consequence of that. But that causes a lot of harm for exactly. Them. Well, and that's what's really interesting, too, if we like if so we've we've followed the the through line here and I, I want to pause and just acknowledge the original statement of <laughs> hey hey mom and and she's like uh-uh absolutely not 
And it's like, I think one of the things that matters is, is power, right? In relationship to this. And so if we go to a parent and child, there is a power dynamic at play, right? And this, this moment that's happening with Toph and Lynn, where, you know, I, I thought you and Sue were, were struggling and, you know, Lynn's like, nah, we, we, we put that behind us. And Toph's like, cool, we put everything behind us. Awesome. <laughs> Thinking that it includes the beef with her too. And she's just like, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be in relationship with you. Like, let's put it behind us. When, you know, Lynn has definitely not put her grievances with Toph behind her. It's just her and Sue. And I think that matters, right? But there's this assumption on Toph's part of, oh, great, everything's fine now. And, you know, it comes out later that that's not true. But there was that moment when she was explaining it where, like, you could tell Lynn was reluctant to speak her truth there. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's almost like Toph either does like does want to like support her family and thus does not want to create additional familial bonds that she will then feel responsible for. Yeah. Right. Like you're not, you're not my, I'm not your mother because if I was your mother, that would require me to do certain things or be willing to do certain things. And I'm unwilling to do those things. So like, don't call me mom. Um, And it's the same. Like, I don't need to go save Julie. That's not what I came here to do. I came here to get my family out of this and then I'm done. Um, And it's really interesting to me that Lynn doesn't call her mom either. Like not even her children call her mom. Like the, it starts off with Lynn greeting Toph as, Hey chief. Yep. And like, I, I think Toph, Toph's unbendingness like <laughs> is very much rooted in something that is, I think that's it. I, I like your point. I think that, there are definitely times where that that unyielding nature is so important and necessary. And then there are times when like, God, throw a dog a bone, right? Like just just put your pride away for a second. Well, and that's because like that moment for me and this again, everyone is different. Everyone is willing to understand the consequences differently. Everyone is willing to take different levels of responsibility. For me, the bid for connection of, hey, mom. Is such an easy one to appease. It is. Because you don't have to call him son. You just have to say, hey. Like, acknowledge that but like, she goes the step further. And, like, not only just, like, doesn't ignore the bit of her connection, but, like, adamantly shuts it down. Um, yeah. and, she's, and, and here's the thing. Toph is cool with that. And that's fine. Like we have to be okay that Toph is cool. That is not something that Toph is willing to do. Um, it just then you get to decide as Batar Senior. Like, do I want to continue this? Yeah. Or do I need yes. to accept it? Yes. And how do I want to move forward? Right. Well, I mean, Toph is not. It is not morally wrong or ethically wrong for Toph to set a boundary like this. Agreed. It is Agreed. you that then has to go. All right. Do I want to keep trying to create this connection? Yes. Or do I need to accept that Toph isn't going to be a part of my community? And that's also fine. Yeah. I would then engage without Toph. Yes. Um, um, and so, but if you are wanting to create strong connections, and I think this is the difference, 
Toph doesn't want to create a, a connection, period. Doesn't care, and that's fine. But if Toph does care, you can't shut down those bits for connections. Yeah. Like if you are trying to create a strong relationship or even one that's cordial, you can't shut down those bits for connection. Yeah. You can't be reluctant to doing that. Yeah. And I, I think that's such a crucial point is that, you know, Toph is setting her boundary and people keep on trying to go past it and she is holding it strong and it rubs people the wrong way. It rubs me the wrong way. Right. And I, I think that that's on me, not on her. And that's, that's what's hard about this is it doesn't feel like it's on me because my judgment of the situation says that nice people do this. This Correct. is what good people do. This is what loving people do. This is what put insert adjective here. Right. And I think that when we start to make those judgments, we start to miss out on the fact that we can learn something <laughs> about ourselves in this moment. Yeah. And so it all, it all, for us to take this out of the show, it all has consequences. And so yeah. you just have to be okay with those consequences. Yes. So like Toph shutting down these moments and being reluctant to engage in them is fine. Toph, it makes that tough for Toph to get mad when the Bay Fongs don't invite her to Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like, like, and, and she doesn't get mad, and she doesn't, and so like she doesn't, and so like I think the it, you the, that is a a consensual like we both agree that this isn't a thing, and like, but but the moment Toph then gets upset that she didn't get yeah. invited to Opal's graduation, like, I don't like I yeah I think he kind of gave that up, right? Like, yep, yep. um, and so. There's when you when you're reluctant to those types of things, that's yeah. fine. You don't have to do it. Like I'm reluctant to eating certain foods. That's fine. But then I don't get to be upset when, you know, a group of people said we were making this and we didn't invite you because we knew that you hated it. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> right. Like, it's so, like there's just you've got to understand what those consequences are. It's um, not about the food. It's about the people that were invited. When th th that is a different conversation as well, like then you get to have the conversation of like, oh, I, I wouldn't have eaten, but I still like the company, right? Like that's a yeah. now we're in a different like conversation. Yeah. And are you doing the things to show that you care about being in community and company with those people? Like that also matters. Yeah. Very nuanced. But those reluct that reluctancy was one that very quickly like that moment felt very big, even though it is a very small moment. Yeah. I think it speaks to a bigger the bigger familial dynamic that they're showing this episode. Yeah. Well, it, it's just that we just touched on the whole through line from the very beginning of the episode all the way to the end. Right. It w is the word mother and mom. Right. Right. And fascinating, really fascinating. Well, and I think here's the other thing, because I'm not a parent, right. Uh, been working with kids for a long time, had a mom. Uh, like there's a lot of like, but there are sometimes expectations or social norms that are dictated by what a mom should be allowed to do or not do. What, what is a familiar relationship? Is a grandma owed uh, access to grandchildren? Uh -huh. Right? Like, there's a lot of social norms that sometimes, like, that, again, 
your reluctance to do certain things may lead to consequences. Um, And so like just the fact of like, there's like, just because you are in a a familiar relationship with someone doesn't mean that you get to ignore the needs that people have. Yeah. uh, When you're in those relations, like you still have to build the relationship. It is the blood itself is not strong enough for connection. I think is probably what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's probably the overarching. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, what about you? Is there a moment that. Um, well, that you touched on you? several. Um, but I do think that there are several things. So like, I, I think if we go to this moment with Ryko and Varric and the squad having this conversation, there's uh, an interesting dynamic that's happening here. And, you know, I see Ryko as a, you know, a conservative <laughs> curmudgeon. Um, I don't even know if conservative, like, you could argue he's liberal, right? Like, it, like yeah, he is, he is in what is good for his reelection, I think, yes. is always the his mindset. Yeah, and... It, the, the I guess the reason I say conservative is, is like this idea of fighting fire with fire and we need more, we need guns to stop the guns is the metaphor that I, I think I'm ra- like running it with. It feels very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea like of, well, they have these weapons. We need these weapons is a like, or are there other options, right? There's right. just, and, and I don't think that, He's coming from a place where like he's reluctant to consider that because and I I guess I'm wondering why, like why and what would give him the mindset, the disposition to not be reluctant to entertain other ideas. Does that make sense as a question? Why is he reluctant to other solutions than matching the force that Kavir is about to show? Yeah, and like so, so given if Raiko had full power and uh, able to do whatever he wanted, he would go straight to weapons rather than something else. And I'm wondering, like, what what leads to that? Like, and then what can get someone out of that? <laughs> and I don't so have I think, a, so. I just, <laughs> so I think uh, we use the tools that we know we have access to, right? Um, this might be a terrible metaphor, uh, but it's what I got. If all I, if I'm doing like, if I'm doing landscaping work around a house, and the only tool I have access to or know how to use or have seen other people use is a shovel, then I'm only going to use that shovel to 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 yeah. do all the landscaping work. I'm going to try to cut tree limbs with it. I'm going to try to edge my yard with it like but the moment i've i've seen it it you know an edger the moment i've seen a lawnmower the moment i've seen a um tree limb cutter like that's where you start to realize that there are other options available to you and when you can start to get creative well oh this isn't typically how it's used but it could be used for this and actually work really well and so like the more options and tools that you have and I think a lot of times societally right now, like violence is one of the most number one tools we are shown. One of the most number one tools that we, that are honestly like 
given to us. I think about even at a young age, I was taught, oh, if someone hits you, you defend yourself and you hit them back. Yeah. I wasn't even taught like, can you get away from the situation? Is yep. there someone nearby who can help the situation? It's like if someone hits you, you tell them to stop. And if they don't, then you you deck them back, right? Like okay. that was the tool I was given. And so yep. like in fourth grade, that was the tool I used, right? So like I there, I think there's a little bit for Ryko to your question of like a reluctance to other things. If you haven't seen them used successfully or you haven't seen them used at all, you just might be like, no, Kavir's got this army and it's working for her. I, I need what she's yeah. got. It's a, it's a lack of imagination in a way, yep. right? And, you know, that really is interesting. You know, part of the ethics work that we did in at Duke in the Divinity School was talking about envisioning what a, the future could look like. And part of creating a, an ethic that we want to live into is by using that as a yardstick and as a comparison. Like if we want to get to here, how do we get there? Right. And this is what like Martin Luther King would talk about when he would say like this idea of beloved community. And he would say, you can't get to beloved community without acting like beloved community. So that is to say that the means to the end matter. That is the whole like purpose behind nonviolent struggle and, you know, strategic nonviolence uh, as a way to get things done for Martin Luther King. And it's reminding me of this because Ryko, for, for Ryko, the, the means and the ends, like it doesn't matter as long as the end is correct. And I think that that's just like, I'm illuminating, it's illuminating that. And that's what's coming down from the conversation. That's what's dangling from, from the conversation is that it's, it, unless we can envision the end in a way that is uh, without <laughs> like weaponry, then we're going to continue to amass weaponry, right? And, and it, it's fair to hard. acknowledge that that's hard. The yeah. concept of someone's yeah. got a giant ray gun that they're going to blow up the world with. Yeah. How, how, how could we possibly stop it? Yeah. Like, um, and then it takes a lot of courage for people to be reluctant to give in to that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it takes a lot of courage and effort to be, to show reluctance to giving into those when you, when you know something's up, like uh, good for Varric, good for Cora. Yeah. Core being like, I'm not harvesting spirit vines. That's what got us in the spot. We're not doing it. Right. Like, that is a tough thing to show, like, to be reluctant to give in to that. Like, it's the president in front of you. And yes, you're the avatar. So, the, I don't know the, and the power yes, dynamics really there. Like, who's and, winning in that power dynamic? And like, Varric is the billionaire behind the scenes. Correct. Right? You know, so like, there's plenty of power there too. Um, but yeah, you know, like, it's just, it's fascinating to me. And, you know, I, and I, I appreciate Varric. I appreciate Varric's reluctance here, right? Who is saying, nope, I have seen what this can do. And this we're not doing it. We're not doing this. This is a terrible idea. It's a it is it is going to lead. It's, you know, it reminds me of the conversations reading about uh people who created the atomic bomb who were like, mm -hmm. This is a terrible idea, <laughs> right? And you know, 
here we are um, years later having seen what it can do. And I wonder if that's how the world post Cora or post the series is going to be too. Once they see what it can do, it's be like, this was a terrible, terrible thing. idea. No one We're should have them. Gonna, yeah. No one should have them while people currently have them and continue to build an arsenal of them. Right. Right. The, the cold nuclear war, so to speak, which is essentially what this is the beginning of. Well, again, it's that to get to your point of like viewing beloved community that that acting in ways that are out of compassion and love and hope and belief that the world can be better versus acting out of fear, protection, scarcity um, to you get very two different sides of it. Yeah. President Reiko is reluctant uh, because he's acting out of fear. Yeah. And and scarcity and and what and Cora is acting from a place of that doesn't mean fear is not there, but her decision making is coming from a place of what is the how do we create the world to be a better place and act that it can in the assumption it can be better, yeah. Um, and so I think that you know that plays a role into that, yeah. Um, so this plays into two other moments that i i want to make sure we touch on do it one is let's let's start with cora since that's where you kind of took us in it so cora and the spirits yeah right um i i think that uh this is a really fascinating conversation where the spirits are clearly reluctant to help right they're leaving republic city and fleeing one might even say republic city and knowing what is potentially coming and what is on the way. And once they Cora actually gets to the spirit world and starts to have a conversation, you know, this spirit, this, you know, what looks to be like dragon eel situation. Um, yeah, sure. What would you call it? Yeah, the classic dragon eel. Yeah, you know, dragon eel beaked, beaked dragon eel situation. Um, but moral of the story <laughs> is the spirits like, no, you're trying to use us the same way Kuvira is using us. Yeah. And part of me is like, except, <laughs> uh, Kuvira is doing it against your will and Cora is asking, right? Cora is not trying to make you do this. Cora is saying, this is the, these are the stakes and your help would probably put, a serious uh, weight shift in terms of balance in this fight that we're going into. Um, and I, like part of me feels a little judgy of them being like, do you, like this, this is kind of like, seems like the move. Right. But at the same time, I 100% get the, the reluctance to, to not participate, especially having, had such a terrible relationship with <laughs> the physical realm for so long. And I think this lifts up a moment for us to take out, which is it is when you, when you can't be mad at people for being reluctant, if they can't see the higher, like the whole picture, like you've got to be transparent and core. And so like, and core is in this moment, but like if I'm, this, the spirits in this moment and I'm not seeing the connection of how this is going to truly affect us. And this feels like it's a human thing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to be reluctant to jump in. 
And so like when we are dealing with things that people are being reluctant to, even as easy as like, um, yeah, I'm reluctant to do this thing and uh, you know, in the community, or I'll I'll continue to use a house metaphor. I'm home shopping, it's all over my brain right now. I'm reluctant to put money into replacing this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, until I can be then convinced of the bigger picture of why it would be a good idea for me to jump in, like you got to create a little bit of that buy-in and understanding and help like guide that conversation to get people there. Now, Cora doesn't really get a chance to, or maybe she doesn't do it the best way, or I mean, that's all subjective. But there is something to be said about like you gotta you gotta show people you know, the whole story and get there. And that's the same when we talk about the stories we tell ourselves, right? Like yep. we got to push back and show and, and, and help gain understanding. And that happens through community and conversation. Um, if the spirits are willing to hang out, maybe Tenzin shows up, maybe Iroh shows up and they all can have a round table about it. Maybe you get the spirits to come join you. Yeah. Um, but I do love the moment where she says, you helped Tarlock or you helped, uh, you helped Unalak. Yeah. And he's like, uh, Unalak used the harmonic convergence to like take us over and like yeah. force us. That that's what you want to do? You want you want to do that? <laughs> like, and I love I love those questions. I love the speaking truth to like, nope, that's not what happened. Well, to me, it's indicative too of like Cora's like of Cora's age right? And Cora's understanding of the situation. I think that, you know, Cora is seeing things and describing things and she knows what is right, but she doesn't know how to convince someone else that it's the right move, right? Cora doesn't have the language. Cora doesn't have the tools. Cousin, like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she knows what is right. Like she has a good compass, but she doesn't have the the capacity to help people see and feel those same things. Does that, does that make sense? Oh yeah. And I don't know if that's an age thing or if that's just like, a, that's sometimes it's just a communication thing. Right? Uh, oh, there's, there, yeah. there's some, there yeah. are some, there are some people who have just a natural gift to be able to say, what I'm hearing you say is this and really turning that into something that is concise and understandable and yeah and so and there's things where it's you know meetings you're, you're in with someone where they're they're going on and on and i'm i'm super guilty of it and someone goes what i think they're trying to say is and call tell me if i'm wrong but the x y and z yeah and then someone's like that makes sense that i'm bought into that um i think so, so, there, there are people who are really good at connecting dots like that and there are some where it just takes a lot of practice to do it because the mind doesn't get there. I, that's, I think that's a better way of saying it. And I appreciate you kind of pointing that out that I think there is a correlation between how young you are and how correct, old you are. but that is not the cause. The cause is the capacity to learn the skill, right. And when you learn it. And so I, I think that Cora has not yet learned this skill, but I think what the important point is, is that it is a skill that can be learned, right? All this, the- all the time i think about the times that i've like how do you have a difficult conversation with someone yep. and then you see someone do it really well and you're like okay let me dissect what you did in those moments instead of saying oh they're just a natural correct right they're no <laughs> they learned that skill somewhere and they have cultivated it somehow yeah i typically consider myself to be really good at talking like de-escalating situations yep um 
but that comes from failing at de-escalating situations <laughs> like a lot. Yep. And, you know, um, you know, you, you having conversations with parents, like I learned very quickly, like saying a parent's child had a temper tantrum is just an ineffective way to talk <laughs> about a child's behaviors because child uh, like, well, it's, you know, that's something where it's just like, yeah, your child had through it through a temper tantrum It's like, no, that's not like, that's a, that's a very, uh, unnuanced look at something mm-hmm. and it doesn't really, and it kind of speaks to a chaotic nature of like your, ch- your child is inherently difficult yep. versus, Hey, yeah, your child, child had a tough day and this and X, Y, and Z happened and that create a lot of emotions. And we had a tough time regulating those emotions, uh, is a very, is saying the exact same thing with acknowledging that the child is processing normal things. Yep. Uh, and doesn't make the parent feel like the child's a chaotic mess that like needs to be governed. Right. And so like, even if it's true, <laughs> but, but and that does happen, but there's, there's a, but again, the way you communicate that is like, yeah. how are you doing that? Right. Yeah. And so there are people who have that skill set, and it's a learned skill set. And so I think you're right when it comes to dealing with people who are reluctant to things, the capacity to be able to, speak coherently and to understand where they're from and listen where uh, listen to where they're coming from um takes practice and takes yep. skills that are you don't learn in kindergarten or in fifth grade or in college sometimes <laughs> uh, or until you read crucial accountability <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah. um but the other, I think the other moment you're probably going to go to now is we haven't talked Julie yet. Ooh, I was going to go to Prince Wu. But Ooh, let's talk Prince Wu first then. Go to Prince okay. Wu. So the, I, I, this might be one of my, my tween law moments. So like Wu is coming into this meeting being like, we should be focusing on the people. We're going to evacuate them. And what we learn is that this is, in an attempt to impress Cora, which is why I kind of in my recap was like Prince Wu starts to show positive behaviors. And so like, this is the worst reasoning ever, right. To do what is right. Right. And then what, what hurts the most, what hurts the most point is there, this, the fact that he goes into that, then saying that this is what men do. Men only do things to impress women. And that is why we do anything that is good and right. And I like started fuming. I hate that. Like I, like I, I hate that. Boys will be boys all over it. And I hate it. And like, I really struggled with this, like this uh, reluctance to want to do what is right without the macho guise of, doing it to impress someone of the opposite sex is trash. It's pure trash. So I I think it, it rings truer than I want it to for my perception of the world in this moment. But also my, my follow-up is in this case, this performance is doing something that is good. Yeah. And I am just really struggling with the idea of 
wanting to do something that should be because it is the right thing to do. It is ethically and morally right, but doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, and I don't know exactly where reluctance is, is in there because it's, I'm, I'm reluctant to engage with this period, <laughs> but, yeah. but like, I'm curious what your thoughts are here. It's interesting. Yeah. He is. As much as we say, like sometimes intent doesn't matter. That's also a nuanced right viewpoint. Um, Cause there's sometimes like the intent, no, the intent also matters. It's not that yeah. like, it's not that it, it's not that w- the impact and the intent matter separately of each other, but sometimes intent very much matters as well. Um, and so I think that that's, that's part of it. Um, and so, you, you know, ultimately, yeah, he's doing good. Great. And you also need to check your, your intent on this because that yeah. is not great. And that is harmful. And that does not, eventually that will come back to, to, hurt someone um and i think that that's that's you know again fantastic he's doing well but when that's the intent then you're he's likely not going to do that again for that reason yeah um well it just is there a like to me this idea of like cora said no cora has indicated that she is not interested she has like given him the signals and the i think uh disposition that is indoctrinated into men and boys in this country is that when you get told no you keep trying just try harder yeah try harder and which is different than doing things differently and like and then if a relationship comes later with anyone like that it's different than like I'm gonna keep chugging along and try to wear them down versus yeah. like I'm gonna do the work and be a better person and do yes. continue living my life and then like yeah there's always a possibility that someone like looks at you differently two years later yeah right but again intent matters and are you doing that to better yourself or are you doing that to strictly for the the attention of someone else the conversation around nice guys happens so often where it's like oh they don't want to girls don't want a nice guy and you know i'm i'm doing things nice and again if you're only doing quote-unquote nice things for repayment in terms of expectation expectations right like if if you are only do it's transactional right like i'm opening the door so that you want to kiss me later no like no you want to open the door open the door Right. If you're only doing it for an expectation that someone treats you kindly back, then you're not doing it for that. And it's the same thing. Like if you're only um, a lot of conversations around like you can't call people racist, it makes them not want to help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. Like, like that's so dumb. If you're only being kind to people and not showing racist behaviors or working on anti-racism because you expect that someone's going to be nice to you in return then like, no, you're not doing anti-racist things, right? Like you do those things because they are right. The person's response back to you is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, I think Prince they- Wu is only doing these things for the transactional relationship that may yeah. come from it, not because that's what needs to be done. And that's not okay. Then that, yeah. to me, that's a, that's a, that's a moral 
you know, you've crossed a boundary. It's crossed a boundary. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. And a, a dilemma there. I think I've tied it to reluctance too, is like, I, I want more reluctance from Wu to, to do things for Cora, right. To impress Cora. I want there to be hesitation. I want there to be reluctance. I want there to be more thought and consideration around, around what that looks like, I guess. And right. props to Mako. <laughs> you always ruin it. For for saying like, yeah, I'm actually this, you're showing me a prince that I'd like to work for. Yeah. And then you ruined it. Like, that's yep. not an okay state. Like, you always have to ruin it, don't you? Yeah. And so like, I think that, you know, good for him to kind of say like, that's, that's not okay. Right. That's not a good behavior. Yeah. Um. So. Yes. Yes. Now let's, uh, we're running a little bit on time. So let's jump to Julie. Yep. What you got? I just, yeah, I love the reluctance to help something like even for her own safety, she knows that it could be so detrimental to those around her. Uh, and that's such a yeah. weird place to be. Cause I'm all like, yeah. I, when you think about like things in work, I'm like, protect yourself. The world's going to be fine. You can't help others if you don't have the capacity to do it yourself. And then there's also something that is admirable when someone's willing to say, like, I don't care about myself in this way. I'm going to protect everyone Yeah. by, like, putting myself at risk. And so, like, that's a weird – those are two thought processes that are really challenging each other uh, that, again, it always takes balance, right? I appreciate that Bolin is not reluctant to go save Julie. I appreciate that Julie is willing to risk it all to protect the world. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I totally understand and, and empathize with Toph being like, it is a suicide mission and I can't help the world if I'm dead. Yep. Right. Like, so like, yeah, both well, of those are, tr- are true and good and valid. Yeah. Um, and well, they're exact opposites of each other. Yeah. Well, and it's what like it's the the show is trying to make an argument saying that the right thing to do is to go in and save the person. Right. And I agree. Like in this moment. Well, and it like it's over and against staying behind. Um, And, you know, I, I think that one of the things that this does is it creates shame for people who are aren't in, willing to do that. Who aren't willing to do it. Yeah. It creates reluctant to do it. shame, anxiety for people who are reluctant to jump into the fray and put themselves in harm's way. And there I'm 100% like you, you do not have to do that. Julie made that choice. Right. And that is one of those things where like she, understands the consequences of her actions and she made that choice and yes does it it suck absolutely like should she be saved yes absolutely should kuvira like put her in this situation no no correct like that is the decision that julie made and she has the capacity to make it and we are now in a whole new situation with bolin and who is like and i have the capacity to go in and I might die. Right. And yeah, so there's this weird, exactly what you're saying. Like both of these things are very, very okay and understandable. And 
it seems as though there is a higher moral, uh, you know, judgment on those who are willing to put themselves in harm's way versus those who do not. And I will, and I think my my takeaway is that there has to be a balance. There has to be a little bit of both in you. There has to be times yeah. where, like, I am not. Again, if we think if we're if we're talking in less hyper hyperbolic situations, yeah. Um, I don't have to take my partner to the airport. I didn't choose to go on the flight. I didn't choose. I owe. I don't owe them the ability to take them to the airport. Sometimes it's nice to take someone to the airport, and so like, and that is building that relationship but there are also times where it's like it is good to set the boundary of like i this is the only time off i have and i need it for a very specific reason to recharge my batteries for my own benefit and so i'm not going to drive you to the airport because i'm protecting this time right like both those things super valid and super important and there has to be a balance because if you aren't willing to do something sometimes and you're not willing to protect your time then like at a certain point it's going the scale is going to tip so far to one side that it is harmful um i hope we're not in situations in life and death where you have to decide to like go save someone from a ray gun but i'm glad in this situation that there that there are people who are willing to do it yeah Absolutely. Oh, that's so hard because I just, I, I hate paying for an Uber to the airport and, you know, pick me up somewhere. Right. <laughs> right. Like, and so, and, and I think you all, like, we also understand that if I go to the airport and choose to go and no one is willing to pick me up. Yeah. That's not their fault. No one owes me a ride to the airport. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, yes. So yes. like, that's the difference is like, I like sometimes I have been guilty of um, when I ask for people to get like, can anybody pick me up from the airport? It's like, well, I would have picked you up. Right. And right. that's, that's the, the judgment that comes out is like, well, well, you don't, you don't love me because I would have done this for you. Right. And right. recognizing that, well, they may not be able to do it this time doesn't mean they won't do it next time right 100%. right it just it like okay this is the decision that i have made to choose you know what i mean it's just like there's there nuance people there's nuance there's nuance because it's also just well yeah again uh at some point if i ask the same person over and over again hey are you willing to get me and the answer is always no then like i'm gonna stop asking and that's like that's there's going to be a little bit of like potentially now we're using airport as an example. But if I ask you to go do something over and over and over and over again, the answer is always no. Then the, I'm going to eventually stop asking to do those things. Um, and that is a consequence. Like we talked about early on, like that is a consequence and an understanding of then like. So if you're wanting to maintain those relationships, having strong conversations about the boundaries that are being set and expectations about the boundaries that are being set. Because it might be that, like, I'm never going to come get you from the airport. And it might yeah. be because, like, that's just something I'm, I'm not going to do. I yep. will do X, Y, and Z. Like, X, Y, and Z. I'll cook you dinner when you need yeah. it. Like, right? So, like, conversations, nuance, understandings. But then you, there, there's always the understanding that there are going to be consequences to those decisions, good and bad, that are going to come from that. And we, can't, we have to be okay with those things. Yeah. We have to be okay. All right. Well, yeah, because I don't think Julie, I think Julie's happy Bolin shows up. 
Yes. But like, yes, Julie's not can't be is not going to be mad at Boleyn for not showing up. Yeah, maybe Varric, but who knows? Yeah, maybe yeah. a little bummed in that moment. But like, again, you don't know where Varric's at at this point. Like she made the decision and, and you yes. know, yes. And maybe her hand was kind of forced into it, but, you know. Yeah, well, I guess it, it just invites us into, again, this. Like when we feel that reluctance to um, forgive, right, that that recognizing that there's nuance to the reasons why people do things there, like grace is something that's a really useful thing for uh, mending and building relationship. And I think that that's something we can always just keep that in mind is just always, again, it goes back to something we've been, we've talked about before of like, what's the most generous assumption I can make? Why would a reasonable, right. rational, decent person do what they just did and giving people the benefit of the doubt? Yeah. Oh, well, we are coming up on our time for this anything else you want to lift up in this exact moment or we can take a quick break and then come back with all our other fun activities i feel like a musical interlude is welcome and a musical interlude will be had we will be right back We're so glad you're still with us. We're going to dive right into our next segment, which is Twee and La, where we pick out things that push us away and pull us in. So, Sunshine, what is a moment that you would like to discuss? So we already talked about it. I hate boys will be boys. I hate that understanding. I hate that conversation. I hate that concept. Same, same, same. So, like, that's <laughs> Prince Wu not getting my gratitude this time um what i loved as always the fight scenes in core i think are fantastic but specifically there's the moment where su yin metal bends armor onto herself from like so a freight dope. container I love that and too. then like hits kuvira with a freight container yeah and that's just a moment the first time i saw it i was like oh dope that was so cool yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so even today watching that when she does it and she just like Pulls the metal, makes armor, gets hit with something, and then smacks Kuvira with a freight container. I'm like, yeah. that's a dope sequence. And so, yeah, that pulled me in. Yeah, I love that fight sequence, too. And, like, you know, we just see so much. You can do so much with metal when you have all of these pieces. Like, we see Kuvira go, like, full metal alchemist, right? And have, like, this, like, sword arm. And then she's, like, shooting, like, metal, like, strips and bullets. And, like, this, like, this whole, like, series of things that is done with with metal bending that is just super cool that yeah. I really appreciated. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I also got to say, like, I'm a big fan of, of Juicy, the Sky Bison. Like I totally snotty little bison just doing his thing. Yeah, 
totally get Opal's reluctance to be partners <laughs> with Juicy, but at the same time, it's like so endearing, especially since I don't have to kind of deal with the the snot. Although right. my dog is very slobbery, so there is kind of a, a kinship I feel. <laughs> um, so I get it, but yeah, I was definitely pulled pulled in there, and yeah, I mean, I like. I, I think I was pulled away absolutely by this moment with Wu. We already talked about it, but I, I think I'm also pulled away, like like Raiko also like I was just like I'm always furious with him. You know? <laughs> like I, I don't think I can point to a moment where I was like he did exactly what was right in this moment, and it's just so frustrating for yeah. me. All series long, he's really kind of a chore and only feels like he uh, does the, the right thing when he absolutely has to or like when it's going to, again, benefit yeah, him. When it benefits him. Yeah, it's just uh, I I just don't love it. I really don't. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Uh, OK, we did it right. We did it. We got. Yeah. OK, yeah. we well, pushed and pulled. We pushed. We pulled. We have balance now. <laughs> Let's talk devotion. Yeah, our devotion, our intention, our, our moving forward. This week, we're talking about the element of water. Water and reluctance. So, Sunshine, tell us about the intention you are setting for yourself in light of our conversation today. Yeah, I think for me, the the, the metaphor that comes to mind is, is going down a river and one that has maybe several arms and several different kind of branches as it flows and um, there are decisions that we have to make in life that maybe we're reluctant to make or not reluctant to make or whatever it might be. But when we make the, when we make the decision to go down a certain part of the river, we can't be mad at the other part of the river for like, for the consequences that we face as we're in the one section we're at. If I choose to make a turn down a river and then it's class five rapids, I can't be like that stupid other river. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I can't. Um, and I think that that is actually uh, somewhat eye opening for me. Like, again, I can choose to be reluctant to go do things or I can choose to set boundaries. And that is not a bad thing in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And there's always going to be a, a cause and effect that happens. And yeah. I can't be upset with those causes and effects when they happen. Now, again, everything with nuance. Um you know, there are certain things where it's like, well, that's not an appropriate response to what I did. And that's a different yeah. conversation. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, for me to, to really find um, maybe solace, yeah. uh, maybe stillness in like, it's when I make a decision, I'm, I made the decision. And like, we just got to be okay with that. You know, and like the the here we made the call and and we're sticking with it. Um, and there's sometimes you can make the decision and then like, oh no, we can change it, and that's fine too. Um, but I think for me, it's just finding stillness in, uh, in when we are making those decisions, finding stillness in the choice that we made. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. Oh, I love it. So, what about for you? Yeah, I, I took a more gross route to the to this, and <laughs> uh, I was thinking about uh, a drainage pipe, and sure. um, you know what happens when I am you know I'm in my house and I'm in the shower, and the the water isn't draining, mm. 
and it or it's really slow. It is reluctant to drain. And I'm I'm like, oh, God, the it's it's broken. It is the worst. This house and I'm blaming the 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 structure when in reality I've not done any maintenance over a long period of time. And I just expect it to continue to run smoothly. I expect mm-hmm. there to be no reluctance <laughs> and I expect it to just continue as it has gone without recognizing the things that are getting in the way that mm-hmm. have been building up over time. And so what that's reminding me of is that, you know, often these, these things that occur in life are not, uh, coming from nowhere (laughs) they are they are building up they are they require maintenance in order to keep things running smoothly and so it's one of those things where like if we go back to the example of going to the airport it's like yeah they're taking me to the airport they take me to the airport they take me to the airport and i'm not doing any maintenance in that relationship right and they're gonna stop taking you to the airport yeah right and it's it's a drainage block. And in order to do these, I'm recognizing that I need to figure out how to do the, the maintenance for this. And so that's the metaphor. The, the action, I think, for me is really kind of leaning into, like, I have been reluctant to do a lot of things uh, recently. Um, and I think, like... Uh, I just finished my semester woo! Um, at the time Congrats. Of the- and I'm so thrilled, but I've been reluctant to like go outside and go for a walk. And I've been reluctant to get exercise. And mm-hmm. what is the maintenance that I haven't been doing that I need to do in order to like find out what is, what, what is the block behind this? Um, and I think I, I need to kind of, really kind of ask that question and sit with it so that I can, you know, do the maintenance that is required. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's my thought. A lot of work needs to be done. We got stuff to do. I'm reluctant to do the work. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. Who are you grateful for? Oh, I'm just, I'm, ugh, there's so much I'm grateful for. I like part of me is grateful for Sue Yin just for the spite sequence. Right. Like, but, um, oh yeah, I, I think I'm really grateful for Toph in this episode because I, again, I had a revelation about like, I, and this really reminds me of what Indira was saying earlier in the season where she was like, I just want to be Toph when I grow up. And part of me is like, dang, I kind of want to be Toph when I grow up where I am so, like I am so myself that I am and I'm okay with the consequences of that. Um, that I think that's where I want to be is I want to be okay with the consequences of being who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I, I like that is something that I want and something that I hope for. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have Toph as, as an example for that, but also recognizing that I don't want to look like Toph when I grow up. Like, I think I want to live in that spirit, but I also want to do things differently. But more is I'm, I'm grateful for Toph as an example. I, and I think I'm going to go with Lynn. Um, And 
specifically in the moment where Batar Sr. is too scared yeah. to get out of the crate. Yep. Um, and maybe she doesn't do it the best way, but I really am grateful for the people in my life who are like, no, you can do this. Yep. And I'm going to help you. But like you got because the the concept of fight, flight or freeze and freezing the way that Batar Sr. Yeah. just kind of is like, I'm yep. staying here. Y'all go like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really do appreciate the people who are like, no, no. We're going like. Yeah. Um, and, and Lynn really does that in that moment. And so I'm grateful for Lynn. You're here. We done. Or, we did it. Another episode in the books. Three more to go. Um, make sure you are checking us out on all the socials bnb underscore pod that is instagram tiktok patreon for bonus content uh, and and twitter as well and so check us out on all those places uh rate like subscribe review wherever you listen to it really helps it really helps helps push us along and uh we are grateful for all of those who have supported us over the last seven seasons and continue to support us um new live episode uh for our patreon uh subscribers will be happening here uh, in may so check that out i'm sunshine i'm ben this has been bending not breaking thank you for listening goodbye